Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. Good evening, our lovers of love. It is here with me and Christina. We are back. Me and Lovey, we are back from our quick jaunt over to... Um, quick jaunt. It was 10 days in paradise. It was sublime. I know, it felt quick for a blind guy. It, was <laughs> it felt all too quick, I suppose, is, is the, the meaning was. But we're back, and so we want to... I don't know. What was that? I thank isn't the right word. But we thank you for joining us today. We're going to have an interesting show pointed up. We've got, you know, talking about the scars of life. It's a very interesting, some interesting perspectives to think about, about how to view the scars of your life. And then we've got on tap, oh, what else we have on tap? My memory is not so good because I'm still on Hawaii time. We have an article on self-care. Well, the no, first not. sensitive people. And then we've got, uh, and how do you, ah, oh, there it goes. Sorry, I went blank. The scars of life, and then, you know, how to view the scars of life, but how to man manage to be genuine, to continue being genuine. Or, in fact, how do you manage to find a way to be genuine, maybe even for the first time, despite your scars of life. And we're not actually reviewing the article. The article is some source material to reference for some points we put together, because we don't actually... Sorry, my quote, bad. You quote, showed me that. Quote the article. And so there's just some source material. So for as we like to do, we, you know, we like to point things that are relevant to what we're talking about, even if we don't directly quote them. Or in this case, I think we quoted four of them. But it was a starting point for our discussion. So we share it in both respect for the work they've done to inspire us and, you know, if we're inspired by it, others might be, you know, and share the love, share the, share the communication. All right. So, in first, those scars of our lives. You know, we've all have them. No one leaves this life unscarred, especially emotionally, right? Yes. I mean, we have our physical scars. We all have our cuts and breaks and bruises and all those. Sometimes they come with emotional scars, sometimes not. Oftentimes they come with life lessons. <laughs> you know, don't jump off a roof because you might knee yourself in the face. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a lesson one of my children learned. <laughs> you know, sometimes lessons hurt, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that one necessarily didn't leave a scar, but it left a memory. And But that's what scars beneath the skin are, aren't they? They're just memories. And the lessons you learned, and sometimes we learn the wrong lessons, or we don't learn the right lessons. But ultimately, if you're still standing and still pushing through and still trying to find that uh, better you, when you're still striving, no matter how small the steps might take, no matter how might seem, I mean, no matter how long it might seem to take that step, 
as long as you're moving forward, you know, there's a honor to those scars. Each time you fall and scrape your knee, there's a story there. Each time you fail to meet your own standards and you have to relearn your life lessons, you know, there's an honor in that. It's not necessarily an honor in the fall, but there's an honor in how you fall and how you pick yourself back up. You know, what is, there was a story, a great man once said, you know, it doesn't matter how one falls. Well, if the fall is all that's left, then it matters much. How you fall might mean how you can pick yourself back up again. If you fall in a panic, you might break yourself. But if you fall in a more controlled fashion, it's easier to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off. If you've surrounded yourself with love and compassion and people who share those values, there's people to help you get back up, help you dust yourself off, and help you move forward again. So, you know, those scars, oftentimes we think of them as battle scars. Maybe that's a wrong view. Maybe they're not all battle scars. Maybe some of them are love scars. Where the, what caused the initial pain isn't really what's relevant anymore. It's what got you through it. Who got you through it. How you got through it. And where you are now. Despite of it, maybe even a little bit because of it. We are nothing but an accumulation of our past, right? You know, nature plus nurture equals us. It's what we are. You know, the trick is. Again, how do you get, how do you maintain genuineness? Because you're a very genuine person. You know, sometimes it's hard to get it out of you. But you're a very genuine person over there. <laughs> Ask me a question. I'll answer it. Well, but we're here for a stream of consciousness. Okay, I, I did not come this way. Yes. I did not come this way. I had to... I have to be this way. I'm an alcoholic, and I had to take these steps, and I have to follow these little guidelines, and then I'm all right. I'm okay. Yes. For, for the most part. For the most part. I have my bad days like everybody else. But it's not just your part of the reason you're, you're an alcoholic is you're bipolar, isn't it? They kind of work I together? Self, I self-medicated her a long time, yes. Yeah, and so that kind of created that scar or fed that scar. I mean, you know, there's an argument that a lot of people who are uh, alcoholics have some type of I don't know, genetic component, maybe, personality component. You know, I don't know how much that that well, true it is. You know, I was, I was taught that it's an allergy and I was told there's a certain area in the brain that's in the frontal lobe that opens up and with people take a drink and normal people it closes, the craving stops. 
by alcoholics that it, that area remains open and the cravings continues. Which is why sometimes it runs in families, you know. But it's hard to know. Yes, is that a learned behavior or is that a? It's so hard to know the human. I was I was raised a Southern Baptist. There was no alcohol. My mother's Mogan David wine that she had when she worked nights and she couldn't get to sleep, but that was it. And uh, but my father was an alcoholic. But the way through that. The way to become the you you need to be is to find a way to become reach that genuine you. That right? That's yes. That's how you we got through. Until I. And you just got to change. You got to change everything. Everything. Well, that's kind of how I got through the anxiety thing. At some point, you just had to realize that this is what I am, and I. You can only do so much to change it. You can't really change it. You can change how you respond to it, but you can't change it. No. But what helped me was I was in a 12-step program, and I saw people who told me all the time, they had experience, and they told me all the time, it's going to get better, and I heard their stories, and I over time I believed them. At first I thought they were lying to me. Nobody could have 30 years. Nobody could go 30 years without a drink. And now today I have 30, it's, well, it'll be 33 years in July. Yeah. So, you know, that's quite a journey. So there's a lot of... <laughs> and it does get better. Anybody who's listening, and it works, 12-step programs work, work for me. I hope they work for you. Give it a shot. Well, it's better than the alternative, right? I, I, I couldn't go on. I couldn't go on. I, uh, one night I, I was crying. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop crying. And I had been to an AA meeting as part of a project for my sociology class. I came in the back door. They let me in there, too. They knew. They let me in there with my notepad and my pen. I took notes. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they were great. Love them. But those battle scars are to be honored. That's Those are no longer scars. They felt like scars at the time, didn't they? But they're, they're felt not. like scars? Oh, my God. Yeah, that first year it took, and it took me a while to really get it. I'm hard-headed. For I got a year together, and I drank, and I got a year and a half together, and I drank, and then, and now, and then I stopped altogether. All I I quit. So it, so that 33 year clean took five years to get to the point where you could start the 33 year journey, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's just your journey. You know, it's just your journey because... Well, I was recovering from alcoholism. The change was slow and difficult and hard. And I was self-centered still. I, I pouted a lot. It took, me a, it took me three years to do my fourth step. I did step one, two, and three, and then I'd start to write my fourth step, and it was crushing guilt. I was slow. I was the worst of the worst. I was still an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing because it's important that people 
can share these type of stories so people out there can understand that it does get better that it does come a point I where swear it does. you can sit here and you can laugh about it and you can laugh about your journey and you can honor it at the same time because it's both funny and serious it's a there's a deadly serious thing right if you go the wrong way it's a deadly serious thing oh yes and I, so it's so we this, we this laughter is hard one it was not it was deadly serious and and i'm not being i'm not exaggerating it was life or death and so we we, we want I was shocked in meetings when people would laugh. They would talk about things I was ashamed of, and then they would laugh. I was shocked. You don't have to be ashamed of your scars, do you? No. It took me a while. No, it those, took me a while those, before I could laugh. Many but of I those, got there. yeah, many of those scars are hard, hard one. Like you said, they're hard wound. They're hard one. They're done through, you know, hard lessons, and we get through them well over time to me now it's that was another life and so far removed from it oh he's taking us for feeling better um so it's so just morgan again thank you for doing that i know it's difficult you're not uh, someone who's open to that not that you're open you're open to me and to your friends and family but you've just shared that story with the world and it's a very powerful story and so i wanted to make sure we well, thank you that's part of the program you share your experience strength and hope that's a very important part of the journey now we also need to talk about you know and, and how you be genuine if, if you're, you're genuine by that by you know allowing it to be itself right you allow it to be so but how do we care for ourselves in the face of all that you know especially if you're a sensitive person you know how do we deal with that and so we put some stuff here together so on the top one it's oops did i get the wrong card aha let's go back to the first card so what's that first one there lobby because i can't quite time to yet. decompress Allow yourself time to decompress. So if you have a meeting that lasts 40 minutes, you know it's going to last 40, 45 minutes, schedule it for an hour in your calendar so you have time to decompress afterwards. If you're going to have, you know, a couple days, a trip, you know, say a blind guy take an airplane trip. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, make sure you give yourself some time to decompress. Well, however that decompression time works for you, because decompression looks different for different people. Some people take a day off, you know, lay in bed and become a slug. Other people, you know, play a video game. Whatever it is you need to do, make sure you take that time to allow yourself to decompress and honor it. Treat it as it is. It's it's just like taking your pill, right? If you have to take a pill for high blood pressure, or if you have to take a pill for to treat your, you know, some disease every day. Well, this is the same thing. You know, your mind is the same as the rest of you. It needs the same care. 
and somehow we don't think of it that way. Maybe because it's the mind that does the thinking. So it doesn't think of itself. You know, in a strange thing. It doesn't think of caring for itself because it is itself. And so we have to actively... I know, why is it so hard that we have to make time? Yes, that it. Well, it's not that it's. It's not that it's hard to make the time. It's hard for us to honor that time. We don't honor that time as productive. Right. It's how we view it. And maybe in times past where lives were short and brutal, there's a sense to it. But lives are now longer and calmer. Generally speaking. Yeah. There's. You know, we have to approach it differently. Well, if you think about it, we've only been civilized for, what, 10,000 years? Maybe. 15? Something like that. Humanity existed for 150,000. Most of our lives was... We were animals. Barely above animals. So, it is no wonder that a lot of our instincts are animalistic. The difference is we've gone past a lot of them, and maybe our mental aspects is the next step in our evolution. Maybe we're in the process. Okay, so what's next? Meaningful relationships. Making sure you honor and manage your meaningful relationships, whether it's your spouse, your family, your friends that are family, you know, those people you can actually trust honor them treat them with that love and kindness and respect you know one of the uh, hardest things to do in self care is to honor that self care however whatever form it takes you know for whatever reason we don't we've talked about it we don't view it view it its rightful place okay so what's next people who support us that's kind of like the real manager relationships, isn't it? Yes. Well, yeah. unless you're talking about, unless you want to differentiate. Your relationships are your romantic relationships, maybe your parental relationships, those closest families, you know, the loves. And the people who support you, you extend out a little bit. Become Those are your friends who are family, and maybe your colleagues and your your therapist, <laughs> you know, that type of support network, you know, how it goes a little bit farther. So you could separate those two if you need to separate them mentally. But I think it's, the point is, overall, is again, is to honor your relationships. Be careful of who and what you put out. Surround yourself with people who view the world not the same way, but have the same mindset of empathy, love, compassion, and you will get the empathy, love, and compassion you need because you're surrounded by it. Man, that's managing your relationships and manage and you know honoring those who support you. All right, what's next? A gentle way of managing conflict. 
that is a skill that can be learned. And so whether it's, you know, classes, actual classes, one-on-one -on -one classes, you, you know, YouTube or Skillshare, or there's a wide variety of uh, ways to access that information inexpensively, yeah. even, even free. You can go to YouTube and search. Okay. You know, as a basic, if you just want a, a place to start. But the best way to manage conflicts, the best thing to do, start with empathy. Tr honestly try to understand where the other person is. Not what you think they mean. Not what you think you would be if you were in their shoes. What their shoes actually feel like. You're not going to actually know. But you can get close enough if you drop your own ego. But, you know, conflicts are misunderstandings. You're misunderstanding them, they're misunderstanding you. And it's easy for us to say, well, they should understand me. Okay, great, but maybe you should understand them. And then you can help them understand you. And then you can make progress. You know, what else are you going to do? Fight. Fighting just hurts people and breaks things. It's a tragedy. Okay. Time to, time to get things done. It takes me longer to do things. i got to think about it. And make sure you include that. Because it's one of the things I've had to do in this last year or so is adjust my scale of time. I'm no longer as quick as I used to be. Maybe it's because I can't see. Maybe it's because I had brain fog. Maybe it's because I was exhausted. You know, whatever reason it was, it's kind of irrelevant. I had to accept the fact that I couldn't do things quickly. As quickly as I expected to be able to do them. Right? Something that I should be able to, theoretically should be able to do in 15, 20 minutes would take an hour. Well, I have to adjust to it taking an hour. It's just the way life is. And you've done it with a lot of grace. Well, external grace. Yes. <laughs> I've been a petulant little child internally, so... <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but that's how I get to the point so I can externally have some grace. You allow that inner child to throw the fit, and then you say, okay, now what are you going to do? Well, nothing. All right, then. <laughs> but you, you honor the fit. You know, you can honor it internally without taking, letting it, taking it out on the world. You know, both things can be true at once. You can honor the fit. You can honor the, you know, the self-pity. You can honor all that. But then you have to ask yourself, well, what are you going to do about it? Do you really want to live like that? Well, no. Nobody does. If you honestly ask yourself that question, so then what? Figure out a way to put a smile on your face and get through it. 
find out a way to make it funny. Like trying to grab the light switch last night. That was freaking hilarious. <laughs> you were just swatting away at it. You weren't. You couldn't see anything. I had no idea. I, I knew roughly where it should be. You did pretty good. <laughs> but it was flipping hilarious. I knew roughly where it should be until I found it and then hoped I had the right one. <laughs> but the point of that always is, you know, you're able to laugh at it because, hey, look at it from somebody else's shoes. It's funny. It looks funny. Hell, it would have looked funny to me. I don't mind laughing at something that's actually genuinely funny. So. Alright. So what else we got? Mind your sleep. I need at least... I need over eight hours sleep a night. I, I average ten. And it's not just that. You know, if you're I've a, always been this way. If you're a night owl, try to find a way to honor your night owlishness. If you're a morning person, if, you know, organize your life to honor being a morning person. You know, mind your sleep isn't just about making sure you get enough time. It's making sure you have that time that fits your natural rhythm. You know, lots of people talk about, you know, the circadian rhythm and make, you know, but not everybody's rhythm is the same. Humanity is far too diverse to even assume that it would be. So find yours. We know this by instinct. We know people who are night owls. It's just, we know it exists. You think that's not natural? That's part, not part of their nature? Life is incredibly hard to not be that. So, all right, what's next? Make your space. Yeah, f your space that's yours, whether it's your desk, you know, your office, your corner place to sit and read a book, whatever your space is, make it yours. Make it, you know, your sanctuary. If it's your car, you know, make it your space. Doesn't matter where it is, doesn't even matter what it really is, just make it yours. Find some place for something to be yours. And so you can be responsible for that little space. You can have it however you want. If you want it messy, then it's messy because you want it that way. If you want it to be really clean, you know, nothing anywhere, then it's because you wanted it that way. If it's highly functional, it's because you want it that way. If it's artsy and cute, it's because you want it that way. Just make it yours. You know, let it be you. Okay. Allow time for transitions. Here again, <laughs> yeah. I need to think about what I'm doing, what I'm going to be doing. Just jumping into something is... It's kind of a shock to the system. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, well, you've gone from... It's like you're stepping off of a plane from someplace that was 80 degrees and stepping into someplace that's negative 10, just as an extreme. As a, right? you, you can understand what that, that thing is, and it's probably best if you have some kind of transition, right? Maybe even to keep the plane... Nice and kind of toasty at the beginning of the flight. Make it a little colder by the time you get it. <laughs> you know, over the period of the flight, so you're just a little bit better prepared for stepping off that sucker. 
you know, if nothing else, tell you what the weather's going to be like so you can steal yourself, so you can be ready for it's going to be freaking cold. You know, that kind of thing. So allow yourself that preparation. And the part of that is if you don't get it because life doesn't always give you that time, you know, take make sure you take time on the back end to honor it, just like we talked about earlier. You know? Plan that time in if you have to. Okay, what's this last one? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Find yours. Yeah, find your beauty. Whether it's your, your partner, whether it's your um, looking at the clouds, staring at the ocean, listening to music, you know, whatever it is. Find the beauty that you find in life. Find the things in life that are attractive to your eyes, to your spirit, to your soul. You know, some people find a desert beautiful. Some people find a jungle beautiful. Some people want an ocean view. Some people want to see the stars. Some people want a top of the mountain. Some people just want a quiet night at home. All those things are beautiful. Every one of them. There's no reason for us to argue over what we've, somebody else finds beautiful. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. You know? Do you find your loved ones beautiful? Do you find your wife, your husband... They're, you know, your significant other. Are they beautiful to your eyes? Is their spirit beautiful? Do you have that rose-colored glasses where it doesn't matter their actual appearance? is not what's relevant. You know, what is beauty, anyway? It's how something makes you feel. It's not really what something looks like. It's the emotion that it gives you. When it gives you a positive emotion, we call it beautiful. Just like my lubby over here. Well, thank you. Okay, so we are off to the second half of our show. We've got um, some questions for the week, and they are varied. Shall yes, we say? Very, very. We're all over the place. <laughs> hey, man. I was I'm still on Hawaii. I'm still on vacation when I put this week's show together. Sue me. I didn't even do it like last week, where I kind of took a couple of days because we were traveling and preparing to travel. So I put it all together last night after we got back. Oh, I'm having fun. No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's just an interesting perspective because usually there's a bit more planning and perspective into the show so but you know let's i threw it together it's got its own uniqueness its own beauty yes it does you know it's its own ebb and flow there's nothing it wasn't a you know criticism of it because you know i can't criticize it until i'm done but, <laughs> but, but it's you know it's just it's just a little different this week and so you know, putting it together is a little different, so the way it's going to come out a little different. Maybe. 
We'll see how professional I am. I already botched the intro, so we'll see. But that's habit. I always botch intros. So that's just me. Okay. So what's first? At what age is too old and not appropriate for a parent to dress and undress in front of their child? Sister still lives with her with par with her parents with thirteen year old daughter. I don't understand the second part of that question. That was actually I meant to delete that second part of that question, but, but I didn't. I but personally, I grew up in a Nike home, but I knew that that Nike wasn't the norm. Yeah, I there is no steadfast rule. I mean, one, it's none of your business uh, since there's no abuse type thing going on. Other people's cultures, other people's, what other people are comfortable with and not comfortable with is none of your business. Right? There is a certain level of human safety that we all want to talk, that we all have an agreed upon line. But nudity isn't one of those. There's lots of places in this world where people walk around Wearing nothing all the time. It's just not a thing. You know, that's all culture. So there's not an age. There's an age for you. There's an age for your family. There's an age for those who you are responsible for. You get to make that decision for them. But you don't have that right to make other decisions for other people. Children who are raised in homes and cultures where nakedness is just a way of life nakedness is just a way of life you know they don't view it the way other people do so they're not damaged by it because nature plus nurture you know they might not like it you know they may run from it when they become older and adults and go the opposite way but you know Kids do that all the time, <laughs> regardless of what <laughs> of what it is, whether it's a strictly traditional home or a wide open home or somewhere reasonable in between. There, you know, kids like to rebel. A certain level, of, a certain number of them, well, regardless. So, you know, <laughs> they're gonna do it just to do it. <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. It's just, you know, I've, for that, it's mind your own business. And it's, make that choice for you and your family. If you're, if you're uncomfortable with it, then it's time to stop. Or you need to find out why you're uncomfortable with it and deal with that. But that's a, another question. Okay. Which pregnancy did you consider a mistake or accidental then turned out to be the perfect miracle. My first child was, uh, was I was on birth control. My third child was is a foam baby, so sponge, not foam. Sorry, sponge baby. Yeah. Well, I think two of mine were were the same way. Failed in contraception. That's one form or another. But, I don't know. I have a hard time viewing any child as an accident. All of them are wonderful miracles. But I'm a little sappy that way. So, 
I don't know. I mean, I could see how people would view at the time that a baby is an accident, didn't want to happen, and then because of the maturing you did, you know, having to become an adult and raise a child and grow and become a better human being and all those things that having children kind of force most of us to do, they've become viewed as this great, wonderful thing that they are. And, you know, oftentimes they're great, wonderful human beings. So, why wouldn't you? Yeah? More often than not, our children are great, wonderful human beings. We're all flawed. They're no more different, you know, this generation, despite all our old men yelling at, you know, shaking fists at the wind. The generation's no different than the other. <laughs> <laughs> the, really the wheels of life go round and round. <laughs> okay. We all kind of view these things all the same way. <laughs> all right, what's this one? My ex-mom is mad at me and wants to talk to me for refusing to apologize when I cheated, claiming that I hurt her son without even asking my side of the story is it okay to dismiss them well it's not really their business um to be honest that's between you and their son at this point you know yeah exes why are they doing this? <laughs> yeah the, just, well she's angry i get that yeah she's angry and some it's one of those mothers that the problem with this generation isn't this generation, it's their freaking parents. It's a perfect example. It's not this generation. This generation dealt with it fine. It's their parents that aren't dealing with it. They have to think they have to intervene in their children's personal relationships. But okay, it's nothing wrong. All right, never mind. The wheels of the bus go round and round. It's this generations have been doing this nonsense forever. Interfering in personal relationships, Romeo and Juliet, Jesus Christ. You know, it's, there's nothing, there's not a goddamn thing different on the planet. There is there. There's nothing new under the sun, no. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do? Yeah, it, it, I would ignore them if possible. It's just not their business. And if that's how your response is, look, we've dealt with it. It's not your place. And move on kind of draw that line okay unless of course you want a future relationship with that ex which I don't see why but consider you've already burnt the bridges but still if you wanted that back then your mother is the, the mother is the place to go and you have to deal with that anyway so that would be to deal with it but if you don't So I want to put a caveat to that answer. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying. Cheated for a reason. If you even did. But it didn't actually deny cheating. You just gave yourself an excuse. So. <laughs> maybe legitimate. Maybe not. You know, who knows. I'm not here to judge. But. If you actually want to repair that relationship, the mother, you, you, 
might be a place to start. Maybe she liked you. Maybe she's disappointed. Yeah, maybe there's something to put back together. I can't make that decision from here. You know, not suggesting that there is. You know, probably a bad path to go down. But it's an option. If you want to head down a path of, filled with, you know, thorns, knock yourself out. <sighs> I wouldn't suggest it. Okay. What's next? I'm 22 and my parents still treat me like a teenager. They got me a car and I'm only allowed to go to university and home. What should I do? I can't afford my own car yet. I want yet and I want to see my friends. Well, sounds like to me they bought you a car so you could go to school and home. That car's not yours, it's theirs. They're letting you use it to go to school and home. That's their choice. If you want to change that, you have to change your side of the equation. It's not how I would do, deal with that, but how I would deal with it isn't relevant. This is your parents. They made this decision. You can talk about it. You can ask them. But my guess is you probably already have and you already know the answer. Change the equation. You're going to have to, you're 22, you're going to have to change it at some point. Do I think it's a little controlling? Sure. But. Well, why can't her friends pick her up at her house? There's the other option. Buses exist. You, know, you can't afford Uber, so, you know. You know, a part-time job can buy a car and pay the insurance. So, you know, it's not ideal, but the world isn't ideal. Look on campus for a job. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, you can remote work. You know, there's all kinds of options. and But lots of retail people are looking for work. I mean, how bad do you want the car? That's the question. You have to answer yourself. You just want to go hang out and party with your friends. Your parents don't have to support that. Nobody does. They're, in, they're supporting your education. Why are you asking for more? Maybe they're capable, maybe they're not, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. But the reality is they're doing enough. Doing more than a lot of people can get. Sometimes you have to change your side of the equation. Alright, I repeated myself too many times there. Okay. I don't like my mother-in-law, but I'm having my first baby. Should I still invite her to the baby shower? Oh, Lord. Well, should you? Probably yes, unless there's... Do you think she's going to, like, act up or something? If you just don't like her. But she's going to be civil and polite. Then, yes, you invite her, because it's civil and polite, all things considered. But... You know, if she's one of those people who is rude and loud and obnoxious, no, you don't have to. 
You kind of get to make that call. You're an adult now. <laughs> you do get to make that call. But, you know, politeness breeds politeness. Civility breeds civility. You don't actually need more. You don't need to like somebody to be civil. You don't need to like somebody to be kind. To be kind and polite. And you have a there is now a child connecting you to this is a now less rest of your life relationship or rest of her life relationship. So suck it up, buttercup. I mean unless she's toxic. Right? Unless they're toxic. And that's not the same thing. Not liking them is not the same thing as them being toxic. Right. So, just, you know, be wary of that line. Don't cross it. Don't become what you don't like. Okay. How do I deal with this situation? My wife was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but she won't seek help nor admit that she has bipolar, even though her behavior makes it very obvious that something is wrong. Well, part of the problem is people need to get to the point where they can accept help. Um, and that means you too. This is a National Mental Health Hotline. I probably should have dug up the number. I didn't think about it this time. But it's what, mentalhealth.org, something like that. You reach out, they've got it for family support, and ask them, ask a professional. This is when, this is when professionals are needed. Because you can only do so much. There are people who are trained and want to help you. And, you know, there are times where you may have to, as a family, get together and make a decision. You know, force them into care if it's that severe. If she's a danger to herself or the world. You know, that's a very difficult line and, you know, you don't even look at it without due consideration. But... I mean, there's two stages, three stages probably to that. There's a stage of, do I even look at that line? <laughs> you know, okay, then there's a stage of, you know, where is that line? And then there's a stage of, do we start talking to the family about that line? So, you know, we don't take that with ease. So you start first, start with the professionals. You know, look online, National Mental Health Hotline. Just search, search it, any search engine will bring it up. There's a place for family resources. Give them a call, reach out to them, and start your journey there. Yeah, journey has to start somewhere. And your journey and their journey may be different, but you're on your own journey during this. You have your own mental health to deal with. You have your own self-care to think about. Because this takes a toll on families as well. Not just them. Not just you. Families and communities. And these are the things that, you know, proud of people and you who, you know, honor that duty 
and deal with it themselves. Work hard to take care of themselves. You know? What? When? Always. Every day. I have to. Every day. It's a, it's a, it's a never-ending journey. It's hard. And so when people do it, we should honor and respect it. Because, you know, it's very easy to give up. It's easier to give up. Some days I do. But I pick my, but I, the, you know, I, there's always tomorrow. Try again tomorrow. Sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you have a great voice. Yeah, but I can't control it. It just happened to work that time. <laughs> Once every ten times. The rest of the nine times, children cry. So, <laughs> and we just got demonetized for that on Facebook, on YouTube, by the way. I just, just want to bet. Okay, so what's next? Oh, there is it is. Is there any philosophy close to the butterfly effect theory? Well, almost all philosophies are close to the butterfly effect theory. What you put out into the world is what you get back. Isn't that kind of Buddhist? Hinduism, all kind of rolled up into it. The butterfly effect. Aren't the all major philosophies kind of fundamentally cause and effect? Every action has an equal opposite reaction. Well, science is about the butterfly effect. Can't necessarily predict the reaction, but you can predict that there will be a reaction somewhere. That's what all philosophies are about. Best of my minuscule knowledge of the, you know, philosophies, but I can't really think of one that you can't kind of boil it down to. Christianity, the golden rules, right? You follow the golden rules, Ten Commandments, put out into the world what you get back. That's what they're all about. Be good, be kind, and you have a better kind world. That's what they're all about. That's the butterfly effect. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not predictable. You're not, see, you know, you don't see what you predicted. But that's not its problem. That's yours, of your imagination, of your your perspective, your ability to measure. You know, <laughs> it's not to do with the philosophy itself so that's my answer to that thing but you know I to, to even call myself an amateur philosopher is is a bit extreme so, <laughs> so alright what do we got what purpose does consciousness serve what purpose so so we're talking about like a biological evolutionary purpose huh Survival, the same thing as everything else. Whatever reason, something that developed consciousness survived and better and, and evolved better than something of our form that didn't. And so we're now here, theoretically. If you believe in evolution, if you believe in creation of some form, pick your form, then that's what connects us to our external being, God, 
It's that connection to God, consciousness. Which one is true? I don't know. Does it, maybe it even doesn't even matter. Maybe it doesn't matter if it's a connection to God or if it's just an evolutionary process that made us what we are. You know, it's just, maybe it's the same thing. I think it is. Yeah, I don't know. You know, my theory is, hey, it's, it's got to exist. I don't know. But if he does, I, he's got some explaining to do when I get there. <laughs> and a kind, compassionate God would answer my questions. And if he doesn't exist, then there's everything makes sense. I don't have any questions. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> you know, so I'm kind of, I'm at peace with where I am spiritually. Right? I'm a good human being. I try to put out good in the world. I try to treat people and do follow the golden rules. Not because I'm worried about, you know, punishment, eternal punishment, simply because it's better to be that way. You know, that's why I like people to treat me, so I'm going to treat people like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's not that difficult of a complex. It's, but, yeah, maybe it's the role of consciousness so we can have a civilization maybe but you know it's our connection to God it's our connection to evolution it's, it's who knows ask God when you get there alright what's next what is consciousness at the level of human physics and biology is it true that consciousness is in the reticular formation? Okay, I actually had to look this up. <laughs> and I did. And um, best we can tell is no. It actually doesn't exist in the rectal formation. It's something to be, it seems to be a sum of something that's greater than the sum of its parts. As best as science can tell at the current state of knowledge. So it's the realm of philosophers. It's the realm of philosophers until there's some way to measure it, which I can't even imagine a way of doing it. So, it's the realm of philosophers and theologians, artists, seekers. We'll never truly know what it is. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we should become comfortable with not knowing all our answers. Maybe something shouldn't be known or can't be known because there isn't an answer. Don't know. Yeah, there we go. Philosophy night. Wow. Phew, man. <laughs> <laughs> What is the relationship of art, history, and culture? Those are the three pillars of what? Civilization? Yes. You could argue. History is what? History is just history. It's things that have happened. Um, the connections with them. It's not names and dates. 
it's the threads that weave between them that weave events daily lives to bigger events it's the general sweeps of time um, art is essentially artists trying to reflect that in the spirit of their time their culture their perspective and, and culture is just an accumulation of experience plus wants needs and desires and abilities resources that are you know if you have lots of water you have a you know you learn to sail if you're on the ocean if you're on mountain things you learn to hunt so you have different traditions based upon those types of things but you know you all fundamentally you become good at what you do and as you do more they become ingrained in your culture and sometimes things become so culturally ingrained that they're no longer used for culturally they have no purpose or their purpose has been long forgotten but we still do it anyway because we do why do we do that because grandma did why did grandma do it don't know because her grandma did <laughs> that's just the way it works and it's just, those things are hard to change sometimes and sometimes there's no reason to change it keeps us connected to our history it keeps us connected to our culture it keeps us connected to each other Despite all our differences, you know, we all have one little thing, two little things with somebody whose grandma or parent or great-grandma did something similar than ours did. Hey, our, my grandma did that the same way. You know, <laughs> she, made her, she made her potatoes that way too. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. You make some kind of human connection. That's culture. Yeah. And art is what tries to express that. That's why it means different things to different people. That's why two people can look at the Mona Lisa and have completely different emotional experiences. Because they have different cultural experiences. They have different life experiences. Different perspectives. Anyway... One more. What's your best advice for someone who wants to be better at recognizing emotions? Now, this question was recognizing emotions in others, but the question, the, the key to that is actually learning to recognize emotions in you. You can have a hard time recognizing emotions in other people other than the obvious ones, anger and sadness. without first being able to recognize those emotions within you. So many of us are afraid, literally afraid, to look at our own emotions. And it's understandable. You know, those are hard. No one wants to look at uncomfortable emotions. Hell, sometimes even happy emotions are hard to deal with get all sappy and crying because you're happy eh, it's easier to pretend you're not because how do you decipher that 
How do you decipher tears because you're happy? I get loud. I scare people. <laughs> Yes, you do. <laughs> that poor pit lady at the state park. <laughs> but, but again, it's knowing your emotions is you can't know other people's emotions until you know yours. And so, connecting with your emotions, and once you become connected to yours, you start to understand other people. And I say start. Then you have to listen to them. People are an amazing thing. They'll tell you everything about them if you listen. They'll tell you their wants, their needs, desires. If you listen, if you're interested, and if they think you're safe to talk to, they'll tell you anything. Because we love that connection. And we love to feel safe with that connection. We long for it. Even introverts long for that. Sometimes it's even more important for them to do. Sometimes extroverts have too many thin connections. And they don't get those handful of strong ones that can pull deep. So, you know, life isn't always the... You know, grass isn't always greener. It's just a different shade of green. And that's uh, about all the time we have. We want to thank everybody for joining. We want to thank Lovey for opening up and sharing her stories tonight. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. To, you know, your journey is to be honored. I like sharing. So for you to catch us next week, we have we'll have something on tap, um, and then the week after that, I'll be able to see. So that'll be nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Next week is the last week I get to do this blind. Well, hopefully. Let's not count our bridges before they're crossed or whatever the hell the metaphor is. But one more blind show. I'm looking forward to that. Where I can actually see this, the things over there instead of over here and all that. But anyway, thank you for me and loving. We want to uh, thank you for joining us. And please remember to um, love everybody.